0: I'm really passionate about using fitness as a platform to grow stronger as a whole person, physically, mentally, and emotionally. As much work as it was, my goal was to keep my marriage intact. Not just intact, but thriving. Making sure that my marriage is thriving, making sure that my kids were thriving. I often ask myself the 20-year question, you know, in 20 years, will I look back and say, man, I wish I would have worked a little bit harder at that business, or will I say, I wish I would have taken the time to just read one more story to my son at night. Focus on those two things first, and then fit entrepreneurship and business in where I could, and trust the process that as I work hard over time, it would succeed.
1: Welcome to the Seven Hats Podcast. My name is Yuval Selig, and I've been on the entrepreneurial roller coaster for over 20 years. I've experienced it all throughout my journey the grind burnout, failure, and ultimately, success. The turning point for me was realizing that building a successful company is meaningless if you neglect the other significant areas of your life. So today, I'm inviting you to join me on an adventure through those seven areas, what I call the seven hats. Every week, my guests and I will drop valuable insights and pearls of wisdom, helping, motivating, and inspiring you to get your seven hats in order and deliver real impact with meaning. So let's get going. Welcome, Seven Hatters. In today's episode, we speak with Chantel Oakley as we explore hats one, two, and four, the soul, athlete, and entrepreneur, as we dive into a world of holistic wellness and mindfulness. Chantel is a highly respected certified personal trainer, group fitness instructor, and wellness coach with over 10 years of experience in the fitness industry. She has helped countless of individuals overcome obstacles, achieve their fitness goals, and cultivate a healthy, balanced lifestyle. What sets Chantelle apart is our holistic approach to wellness, focusing on the mind-body connection, and the importance of addressing all aspects of one's life. Chantelle's journey to become a wellness coach was not without its challenges. She had to learn the hard way after experiencing a crash that left her physically and emotionally drained. But through her determination, resilience, and her faith, Chantelle was able to rebuild her life and emerge stronger than ever before. So if you're ready to learn about the power of holistic wellness and mindfulness, and how to achieve true wellness from a fitness expert who has been there, let's welcome Chantelle Oakley to The 7 Hats. Chantelle, welcome to The 7 Hats.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: You're excited. I'm excited to speak with you <laughs> on a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Because today we are going to be discussing hat number two, the athlete, the health and fitness hat. And I think it's timely, right? As we enter a new year, a new you moment in our journeys. And I'm sure we're going to touch upon some golden nuggets, you know, that will inspire our Seven Hatters to take hat number two seriously as they strive to achieve success in their business. But I think even more importantly, find true fulfillment in their lives, right? But before we up-level our fitness IQ, the Seven Hatters, I'm sure, are curious to learn more about who Chantel is. So without (laughs) further ado, Chantel, where were you born and how was your childhood like?
0: yeah, okay. well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And can I just say i I love that you're speaking to entrepreneurs holistically. Like I love your passion to tend to the whole person. And so I'm excited to visit with you. Okay. Thank so you. I'm from Billings, Montana. So it's uh, uh, the biggest town in Montana is South Central Montana. I was born and raised here. And grew up with a younger brother. He actually lives in Los Angeles. He's in the music industry. I grew up as an athlete, and so I started playing sports at a young age, about six years old. And then eventually grew up to play basketball in college for just a year. And so An understanding and passion for the role that fitness plays in my life to make me stronger began at a really young age, but having a healthy mindset around that probably didn't come until I was a little bit later in life, well into being a mom, honestly, an entrepreneur.
1: Nice. So what did your parents do?
0: So my dad, when I was younger, he owned an auto body shop, so an auto body repair shop. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She homeschooled us when we were younger, so that's like a full-time job right there. You know, and I grew up in rural America, so I didn't have access to a lot of resources. I grew up in a period of time where, honestly, there weren't a lot of opportunities for girls in sports, especially where I lived that we had a smaller population. And so, and then I was homeschooled on top of that. And at that point in time, at least in Montana, there wasn't a lot of resources for homeschooling either. And so my parents just did a really good job of A, kind of letting me know I could hang with the boys. Like, and so uh, for up until probably fifth grade, all of my sports teams, I was usually the only girl on the team, which definitely I think, yeah, cultivated uh, some confidence and like a go get it attitude in me and then on top of that we I didn't have access to you know virtual training wasn't a thing back when I was growing up there weren't a lot of resources and so a lot of it was training on my own and kind of figuring it out and my parents were always really great about helping us kind of figure out like where do you want to go what do you want to do and how are you going to get there Um, something I'm really thankful for.
1: And who got you into fitness? Was it you or was was it like your dad that just got you into sports? Yeah. How did that come about?
0: Yeah, so sports was just kind of always something that I did. I remember playing T-ball. I think I was in kindergarten. I was horrible. <laughs> I like I I was awful. I honestly wasn't very coordinated up until about 4th or 5th grade and then something clicked in me that I thought, I think if I worked at this, I could be pretty good. And I did get pretty good at sports, fell in love with basketball, played basketball up through my freshman year of college, got another opportunity to pay for my schooling, graduated college. My husband, and I got married young, like young, young. I think I was 20 when we got wow. married. Yeah. You met in, you uh, been in start- college. Yep. We met one summer uh, in college and got married young, started a family young. And when our family, when we were first into, you know, early in the years of having a family, I just needed something to help make some ends meet financially. And I had a passion for working out. I've been around a lot of sports, so I kind of, and I had wanted to be a coach. And my dad was like, Hey, have you thought about being like a fitness instructor? And so I went to our local YMCA and I had a friend that worked there and was just like, what would it take to do this? And she said, well, honestly, with your background, there's not too much we'd have to do. So let's just start training you. And I quickly began to see that fitness, a fitness instructor, I like to call myself a fitness coach. It's coaching, but just in a different format. I had wanted to coach basketball, but that just didn't work out. And so this was another way to coach. And then I quickly began to realize that what fitness really is, is like a platform or an entryway into growth because I began to see people who allowed me to come alongside them in their fitness journey. And uh, they started to feel better physically. And then when they started to feel better physically, they kind of started thinking a little bit more about maybe some of their mental and emotional health and mindset. So yeah, so I'm really passionate about using fitness as a platform to grow stronger as a whole person, physically, mentally, and emotionally.
1: Yeah, I love that. So you're in YMCA, you're a trainer. When did you decide, you know what, I'm going to become an entrepreneur and start my own thing? When did that happen?
0: Yeah, so that w- that happened in 2020. So I trained at the Y for a really long time. I I still train there a little bit just because I love the mission of the Y. And in 20 end of 2019, I kind of got this nudging that I, I want to do a little bit more. I think I have a little bit more in me to give in a different way. I like to be challenged mentally. I think I'm just kind of sick like that. Like, what's really hard? I'm going to do that.
1: <laughs> well, entrepreneurship, that's one, one thing.
0: <laughs> exactly. And so I had stepped out and decided to start a health coaching business January of 2020. And then, you know, as we all know, by March, April of 2020, the world shut down. And so I quickly had to pivot and go, how can I transfer this into the virtual world? And so the first year in business, I coached individuals um, around behavior change and how to establish healthy habits within their lifestyle with exercise, nutrition, mindset. And then that morphed into creating virtual programming that people can more easily and more affordably access. And then that has now morphed into providing some consulting for tech companies who are working to to create fitness programming.
1: So for those that are looking to become fitness coaches online because I think that's a big thing right now. Mm-hmm. What have you learned? What what kind of tips can you give them in terms of getting it done right the first time? What what yeah. what kind of mistakes have you made that you would do differently now?
0: Oh man, so many mistakes. <laughs> I definitely learned that the quality of your content is really important and will go a long way and so it's it's a lot of work on the front end you're going to do a lot of work for free on the front end creating content but it will make a difference eventually i learned that even though you're creating things on a virtual scale it still requires some relationship in order to make people want to buy into it and make it happen and so you got to get really good at identifying what people need and then genuinely trying to meet that need and not just sell your program, right? It's about more than the program.
1: So, I mean, I, I, I don't think you went to business school, right? So you, you probably, or did you go to business school?
0: No. So I had a, I was an elementary ed major and then I had a business minor. So I've always had a business side to me. My dad was an entrepreneur. So I grew up, I grew up around business and thinking about business, but no, I did not go to business school.
1: So so you're you're starting your own business from scratch probably with you know having to learn everything on Google. So what did you do? How did what was the first thing you did? How did you get you know the marketing done right? How did you reach your first customer base? I think I want to dive a little bit deeper into what it really takes to start a business mm-hmm. from scratch when you don't know how to start a business from scratch, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, so a lot of it took first establishing who do I want to be as a a business owner, like what do I want my business to be about. For me, that kind of had to be like my North Star. It was really important to me that I don't have a business that's just about losing weight or just about the aesthetics. I want it to be about everything. And so that was kind of my North Star. So then it kind of began this process of filtering down from there and everything I'm doing, how does it fit under that North Star. And so the other thing that I wanted is I I wanted to figure out a way to to work smarter, not harder. So how can I create opportunities and programming that will maximize my, my time and I can reap some financial benefits? And then if I want to on a local level, in a more personalized way, I have the freedom and time to work with individuals or organizations to help them develop some programming the marketing piece, man, that it's just been hard. Like, I just feel like that's been my brother who's in the music industry. He has a great mind for that. So he's, he was an excellent resource. And one piece of advice that he gave me was, he said, find someone who's kind of doing what you're doing, but it's further down the road. And they've done a good job with it. Yeah. And then just kind of use them as kind of like a guide for, or, for how things should look and what to do. So not that you're copying someone, but in a flattering way, it's it's okay to be like, "Hey, you've got it right, and I'm gonna kind of try and follow in your footsteps." Yeah, it was a lot of mistakes. Marketing, I feel like, has been one of the a challenge that I've had to figure out.
1: I don't know if you know who Russell Brunson is, but he has a company called ClickFunnels, and it's a website that allows you to build funnels, okay, marketing funnels. And he has something called a hackathon. Uh, I believe that's what the name is. Uh, Where you go and find funnels that are very successful and you hack them and you create your own. You're not copying them, but you're creating your own. So you're not the only one that that thought of that idea. This is something that is a real thing and it's a good, and it's a good, some good advice. If you have four kids, God bless you. And (laughs) I can't even keep a plant alive, but, and a husband, tell me about kind of, the journey of starting a business with four kids and a husband what was the support like? What were the mm-hmm. challenges? What would you give? Kind of advice would you give solopreneurs who are starting their own thing and having a family yeah. at the same time?
0: Yeah, it was a lot. I can look back on the first couple years and I'm like, how the heck did I do? all of that. My husband's incredibly supportive, really encouraging. He's also, I mean, has a great job. So it helps that we weren't solely relying on my income. That gave me a little bit of freedom, which I'm really thankful for. It was, it was a lot of juggling. It was what I I told a friend recently. I said, I realized that I can't be getting everything done with business and everything done at home. And as a mom, it's either I, I can get everything done with business I'm always making sure to engage my kids. That's my first priority. And then the house is just going to have to fall apart. Or the house stays in order and I'm engaging with my kids. I'm getting behind on business stuff and just kind of accepting like that's just kind of how it is. We can't, we can't totally have it all and that's okay. But in the midst of it, as much work as it was, my goal was to keep my marriage intact, not just intact, but thriving. That was really mm-hmm. important to me. And so that was kind of a filter. Like if something was going to get in the way of that or put that at risk, then I wasn't going to pursue it because I always tell my husband, like my husband and our family, like that's my first dream. And I'm going to stick with that. And I'm going to trust that when I tend to that first that everything else will fall into place. And so making sure that my marriage is thriving, making sure that my kids were thriving. I have to ask myself the 20 year question, you know, in 20 years, will I look back and say, man, I wish I would have worked a little bit harder at that business? Or will I say, I wish I would have taken the time to just read one more story to my son at night. And so that was always my goal. Focus on those two things first and then fit entrepreneurship and business in where I could and trust the process that as I work hard over time, it would succeed.
1: So I love that. And and I think, the difficult aspect to the seven hats or keeping the seven hats or the categories of life in balance or the balancing act, as I call it, is actually trying to get it done, right? How did you pay attention to your marriage and allow it to thrive and your kids allowing it to thrive when business is so demanding, right, of your time and then you have your health and your fitness Mm because you're going to obviously not just teach, you're going to, work on yourself, right? So there's four or five major aspects to life that you're dealing with all at one time. What what, what are some tips that you have to keep the schedule going?
0: Yeah. So I found that if I tended to my mental, emotional, physical well-being, if I'm in a good place, then everything else is going to be in a better place and so I take my mental health really seriously and so making sure that stays in check and carving out time for some mindfulness I meet with a counselor on a consistent basis so that I'm being proactive right so that's not just waiting for crisis to come up but so that when crisis comes up I'm able to handle it and have the resilience to handle it just exercising a lot of vulnerability with my husband you know entrepreneurship is like a roller coaster. Like some days it's like, this is amazing, I'm killing it. This opportunity came up, oh my gosh. And then other days it's like, oh my gosh, it's falling apart, this is never, right? It's just this roller coaster and so- You're
1: lucky because you have days, every 10 minutes is changing for me. So it's like, oh my God, 10 minutes later, oh shit. Oh great, oh shit. Like I probably go through about 30 of those per day. So you're lucky if you're getting it once a day.
0: Well, no, I was. I'm probably more along the. Now that you mentioned it, the 10-minute line, it's a little better now. But just exercising vulnerability. I'm a really intense person, and so when things are awesome, I feel intensely awesome. And when things are not awesome, I can just let it get to me. And so bringing my inviting my husband into that, and just being like, "Babe, I'm struggling. Like I thought this was going well. It's not." The narrative that I'm telling myself is that uh, I'm not doing a good job or, or whatever, whatever negative thing I'm carrying around, I invite him in to carry it with me. And that's definitely strengthened our marriage and then getting consistent time together. But I will say the vulnerability p- piece between the two of us has created deeper connection than just spending time together.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think working alongside my wife over the last, I mean, God knows how many years we've been. Since we met, we basically started building businesses together. It does strengthen your relationship if you do a good job in, like you said, being vulnerable and, and bringing them into the equation and letting them understand how difficult things are. So you faced a little bit of imposter syndrome. Were there times where you're like, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm going back to the why. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't. And if so... How did you deal with it? And who pulled you back?
0: Oh, um, I don't know that I've hit that quite yet, but I think that's also, I think I've been in the, the fitness journey long enough that I think I would almost say that some of what I'm doing feels like a calling even more than just, I want to do this as a job. I believe in the process and I believe that it works. And, I'm like freakishly strong-willed and stubborn. And so it's like, come hell or high water. I am not giving up on this. I will see it through. Definitely days though where I did, I would question myself: am I, am I, did I make the right choice as far as especially moving into the virtual world? It is just a lot more work. Did I make the right choice in that? Should I have gone the easier route and choose to focus more on the aesthetics? And kind of quick and easy fixes, definitely question myself with some of that, desiring some quick success. But that's where I'm thankful that I had established that North Star, right? So if my North Star was, I feel called to help people become stronger physically, mentally, emotionally, to remind them that they can do hard things and to remind them that they're not alone. If that's truly what I believe, then I, I can't back away. I can't give up.
1: Yeah. And you have your why and you have persistence and you're stubborn. And that's what makes good entrepreneurs, right? It's <laughs> not the knowledge. It's just not giving up. It's just getting punched in the stomach and just continuing to <laughs> move forward.
0: Right.
1: So you said that you're a student of your own weakness, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's an awesome statement. But... You know, weakness is of, oftentimes overlooked, right? As we get busy being busy, I think that in order to truly understand our weakness, we must find time to reflect and study alternatives that identify the fact that we even have weaknesses, right? So mm-hmm. what were your weaknesses, number one? How did you identify them, number two? And what steps did you take to begin your journey towards overcoming those obstacles
0: Mm -hmm. i mean i got a lot of weaknesses (laughs) i feel like i struggle with some anxiety which i've recently tried to accept as as this the positive that it's actually brought into my life but anxiety uh i struggle with being really controlling i struggle with shame i struggle with being a perfectionist I can get obsessive about something and I can't put it to rest. And um, that's been a really hard thing for me to figure out. Definitely like imposter syndrome, this desire to have the approval of others as something that can bring more stress into my life. And actually, the process of dealing with a lot of that actually started even prior to becoming an entrepreneur back in... 2014 2015 I went through a crash so just physical mental emotional burnout I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue and it began a year long process of delving into like how did I get to this place because for all intent and purposes I from the outside I shouldn't I shouldn't have experienced that I didn't you know my health was good I was in fitness I ate well I knew the the value of good sleep. I had a healthy family. I didn't have, you know, any really toxic things in my life that would have led to that. And so it began this process of really like evaluating my motives, which then kind of brought up some of my weaknesses. and thankfully, just the season of life that I happened to be in. i I would say for a year, and then after that three to four years, I just was really intentional about carving out time daily to delve into, What was it that I was struggling with and wrestling with, and what were those weaknesses, and how can I actually come to a place of not trying to conquer them, but accepting that they're there, and then acknowledging the strength that's on the other side of that weakness and embracing it. And so, thankfully, by the time I started my company, I had worked through a lot of things. But what I'm just learning is in life, like, They're always going to rear their head at moments, especially when you're feeling stressed. And so it's more a matter of, my counselor always, she just calls it like exercising your mental and emotional muscles. So how do I exercise those muscles so that when that does rear up, I have the tools and the resources to just know how to handle it and deal with it and not let it send me spiraling or I call it hijack me mentally and to develop resilience essentially.
1: You know, it's interesting because the reason why I brought up your weaknesses and and one, you speak about them, which is great. And that's being very vulnerable to your tribe. But I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs understand that they're normal by being who they are and having the same issues you're having. Right. Mm -hmm. We we tend to look up to individuals who are successful or so-called successful in business or in life. And the persona that they put forth on social media and elsewhere is that of perfection. Mm -hmm. Look at my family, look at my jet, look at my cars, look at my life. I'm traveling the world. I'm doing this and that. And I think it's hurtful to Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs to latch on to that image and then look at themselves in comparison Mm -hmm. and then beat themselves up and go into trauma over that. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I interview my guests, I would say a hundred percent of my guests all have imposter syndrome, all have anxiety, all wanted to give up multiple times, all had stress. Right. Myself included. And I've been Mm -hmm. in business for, you know, for many, many years. I don't even want to remember how many years now, (laughs) but, but it, and it happens and you can't get rid of it. That's the thing is that it's normal. To live life as life presents it to you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I love what you're doing because you are taking that holistic approach and you're also saying, look, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Let's do our best together, right? And that's and mm-hmm. that's your message. And I love that. You know, my, mm-hmm. my spiritual teacher, Atma, uh, and I spoke about the ego uh, in an earlier episode um, of The Seven Hats and of course you know you probably know how relenting the uh the ego is towards thwarting success right in every area of our lives but i think especially health and fitness you know his antidote mm-hmm. to the ego is humility mm-hmm. tell us your thoughts on the ego and humility and what has your experience taught you over time on how to control that monkey mind that that voice inside your head
0: mm, yeah i think one of the things I think like a lot of people I have just this really strong inner critic and man, she's just brutal. She's mean and and she always pipes up right when I'm feeling like the most vulnerable. And one of the things that uh, a a goal of mine one year was to tame my inner critic because it would just mess with my head and it would get in the way of my relationship with my husband and get in the way of my how I parented my kids. And it would get in, in, it would take a mental margin that I could have been using for more productive, better things. And so one of the things that my counselor encouraged me to do was to befriend my inner critic. And she, she followed that with a story. She said that she had a client that played volleyball and this client had shared that, and I don't, I didn't play volleyball. So I honestly don't know that much about volleyball, but she kept doing something wrong in volleyball. And the ref just kept calling her for it. And her coach told her, he, he, he was like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, you know, at halftime or whatever, whenever the breaks are in volleyball. People that play volleyball are going to listen to this and be like, Chantal, just <laughs> learn a little bit more about volleyball. But I want you to go. He's like, I want you to go and befriend the referee. And I just want you to introduce yourself. And I just want you to thank, thank him for what he's doing. And I just want you to move towards him. And so she did. And then she found out that in the second half of the game, he just wasn't quite as hard on her. And my counselor just pointed out, she said, usually our inner critic is protecting something inside of us that we deeply value. And so she said, when that inner critic pipes up, she said, I just want you to ask your question. Like, what is is the value in that moment that your inner critic is trying to protect. And so I started to do that. And then what I was able to do is I was able to have, and this is, if you're not, I guess, familiar with the world of therapy and counseling and spiritual direction, maybe this sounds a little out there, but I began to have some compassion and empathy for my critic, right? I didn't hate it so much because I was able to appreciate what it was trying to protect. And then I was able to develop some confidence that, this thing, this value, whatever it is. So for example, let's say for me a lot, I deeply value family as you've probably just picked up on in our interview. And so anytime something would come up that I felt like kind of threatened family, my inner critic would just, man, she would rear her head really intensely. And so to kind of move toward that and go like, Hey, I appreciate that this harsh critic in me is actually trying to protect something that I really deeply value. I appreciate that and I actually have the ability to protect that value without being criticized. So it's just kind of this mental conversation that I started having and it helped immensely. It helped me to develop a level of acceptance around my weaknesses and just to know that I, like I have nothing to prove, right like I'm wholly seen and wholly loved by my family and my friends. And for me, my faith plays a huge part in that. And if that's the case, I'm like, what do I have to lose? Like, I, like yeah, I'm a hot, controlling mess sometimes. And I, let's just laugh about it because it's probably not gonna totally go away. And that's okay, but I can sure try to do different next time.
1: Yeah, you know, I, alf- I often tell my wife and, and she... Abuses me for this and Because she's like You don't care About what anybody thinks (laughs) And I say that I I don't really care What anybody thinks It's not that I don't care What anybody thinks I care about people And I care about What they think I just don't care About what they Mm -hmm. think Because It's not between Me and them Right Right. If I wake up In the morning And I do 100% Of my capacity Right It might not be 100% But it's 100% Of my capacity Mm -hmm. and I get up every morning and I strive every day to be better today than I was yesterday, it doesn't matter. It's between me and God and that's it. Mm -hmm. It's not between anyone else. And if somebody doesn't like it, well, they can turn the camera on themselves and look at their issues because they all have issues and Mm -hmm. people like to you know, especially on social media. I mean, it's really, really for younger kids, it's it's horrible right now. I don't yeah. know how they do it. I, if I had social media when I was growing up, I, I don't know how I would do it. It would, it just, it's no. insane what kids have mm-hmm. to go through these days. Yep. But they have to learn the power of, I'm doing my best, screw the rest of you, right? Mm-hmm. I'll listen to you. And if I think that it's something that I can adapt, adopt, I will. But otherwise, I'm not going to judge myself based on your insecurities and your issues. Because the ones that are blaming you, they're the ones that are most insecure in the first place. So mm-hmm. you got to look at it that way. And I, and, I, and I love what you're saying about that.
0: I 100% agree with you. Yeah, I love that.
1: So we have a 24 hours in a day, you, me, Elon Musk, and we make choices to focus on certain things throughout the day. Health and fitness is not necessarily at the top of entrepreneurs' mind in the morning mm-hmm. when they wake up. hmm in your opinion, why would an entrepreneur make fitness a priority? Why should they?
0: Yeah, you know, enough studies have just shown that one of the best ways to manage stress is through moving your body, just because it naturally creates a chemical reaction in your brain that increases your serotonin levels and brings about endorphins. And so I think from a stress management piece alone, exercise is vital. I've, the most successful people that I've trained, and and when I say successful, I mean the people have been most successful in keeping fitness as a regular part of their lives. It's just this standing appointment that they have several times a week, and they just kind of move everything around that. And what I find interesting is they're all really busy people, right? So entrepreneurs are busy, but you know what? Teachers are busy. Everybody is busy in their own way. And so... If we're willing to carve out space to take care of ourselves, everything else will 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 come into place. It's like, you know, it's like when you're on an airplane and they go through the oxygen mask routine, they tell you, you got to put on your own oxygen mask before you put on the oxygen mask of the person next to you. Because what good are you to help someone else if you yourself are not in a place that you are able to sustain what it takes to help that other person? And so I kind of view fitness and moving your body as it's the oxygen mask that you really do need to have in place. If you want to do your job well and meet the needs of your customers, if you want to meet the needs of your family, it makes a huge difference. And you're right. It's one of the first things to go. And I I understand all of it, but it's important.
1: Well, I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs and they'll scream up and down the street, I don't have time. I don't have time. You don't know. You don't understand. Look at me. I have children. I have a wife. I'm going home. I I eat late. I don't have time to breathe and do my own thing. How am I gonna fit in exercise? Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in my opinion, I lost my first business because I didn't pay attention to the other areas of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, by paying it was a paradox. It was like it was like this this irony of I was spending all my time on my business and i lost my business because i didn't spend any time Mm -hmm. on myself on my health on my relationships because you need support you need energy you need mindset you need you know a a healthy clear mind to operate and make decisions all of that makes business possible and the Mm -hmm. funny thing is when people pay attention and it's not just business if you pay attention only to your health Other Mm -hmm. parts of your life are going to fall apart. You pay attention all to your marriage or your relationship. you got to have a balancing act. So what are some tips for the most busiest entrepreneurs, right? The ones that will tell Elon Musk that he's got nothing on them. (laughs) What would you tell them they could do to pick up an hour or so to get fit?
0: Yeah. So one of the things that I found just in my experience as a coach, my personal life, even my education is the biggest deterrent to consistency and sustainability really in any sort of healthy habit, uh, but especially in fitness is something called the all or nothing mindset, Mm. which I feel like to some degree entrepreneurs, I think everyone struggles with it, but I think entrepreneurs are the special breed of like go-getters that can struggle with this. And so all or nothing thinking will be like, I either need to do this, this ideal, perfect way that I want to do it. And if I can't do it that way, then what's what's the point? And I'll see it a lot right around January 1st. People will get these massive goals for health and fitness and weight loss, which is great, but they'll create a plan that is just destroying yeah, their February, body.
1: February 2nd, they're done. They're on their couch eating co- t- yeah. potato chips.
0: They yep. can't They can't sustain it. And so one of the, the biggest, most successful ways I've found to help people work against all or nothing thinking is what I call a just do something mentality. And so what I encourage people a lot of times to do is, hey, sit down on a Sunday, take 30 seconds, look at your week and go, how how many times this week could I commit to moving my body? Like just start with moving your body. It doesn't need to be some really amazing next level fitness program. Just commit to moving your body. How many times could you do that this week? And then how much time on those days, how much time could you, if it's only 10 minutes, that's okay because it's something and something is better than nothing. And so I'll, I'll encourage people to first establish like what do you know you can do commit to that. Even if it's only 10 minutes, three times a week, it's still better than nothing. And then what I have found is that as people commit to that, they start to feel better and they start to even see some results in some small ways. And then they get really encouraged. And then it becomes this snowball effect of where you're kind of willing to maybe commit a little bit more to where eventually you do work up to what would be an optimal version of your fitness routine, but you're able to do it in a really sustainable way because you, you didn't start from zero and then go to 100, right? You just gradually worked your way up and you're able to maintain it.
1: I love what you're saying, just do something, right? Because mm-hmm. ultimately, my some tips that, that I've learned throughout the years, I used to be very specific when I plan on my week and on, on Sunday and I plan on my, my week and every minute is planned out. I mean, if you look at my calendar, you know, you start crying, but but every minute is planned. <laughs> and it's not just work, it's my life. I don't have work and life balance, right? right? It's my life and work is part of it. So when I right. wake up in the morning and I have my morning routine, I schedule that. And then I schedule my sprints and I schedule my time with the family and things of that nature. But what I've learned is try not to be so specific on the action or the mm-hmm. task because it becomes a to-do. Rather, mm-hmm. look at what you want to accomplish that day so i want to accomplish exercising twice a day right for Mm -hmm. me right how do i do that well i wake up in the morning and i do a 20 minute spin or i take a little walk you know 15 20 minutes it's Mm -hmm. not rigid i don't have if if i don't feel like going out or if it's raining or if i can't spin or if i have an injury then i take the 10 15 minutes that's allocated and i just do something that is exercise right yep. and then in the afternoon i used to say p90x and obviously when you take p90x you die and you never want you can never accomplish <laughs> it i don't know anyone that ever accomplished p90x those are all fake actors fake news uh-huh. because it's impossible anyway that's just my my problems that i have to deal with but i put p90x so when i did it when i did and i was very rigid and more, like monday tuesday wait cuz it's a 6 day program mm-hmm. monday tuesday wednesday i did it then thursday For some reason, something blew up and I didn't do P90X, right? And all of a sudden, oh, well, okay, forget about this week and start again, right, next week on a Monday, Mm -hmm. right? So instead of moving forward, like you're saying, what I was doing is I was always going back because I didn't accomplish Mm -hmm. 100% and I didn't accomplish the P90X where all I could have done is instead of doing the P90X on that Thursday for that specific course. I could have just moved around for 15 minutes and said, okay, I exercised. And the next day, continue and pick it up. So that's yeah. a really you know, huge pointer. Don't be so specific. And the other mm-hmm. thing is how to find time, eliminate. I guarantee mm-hmm. you that no matter who you are on this planet, you have at least an hour to two hours a day that you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. That you can either delegate, eliminate, or put off. Mm-hmm. And if you can't figure that out, call me. <laughs> I'll find it in your schedule because <laughs> you have it. We hear a lot about holistic health, right? Mm-hmm. Or having this holistic body or mind. What does holistic mean to you? All right? And what, is, what have you learned from your past that helped you achieve what you so-called holistic health?
0: Mm-hmm. So holistic to me means you know, all encompassing, well-rounded. I like to think of it as, you know, it's so easy as I think humans, we love for things to be, especially in America, linear. I do this and then I do this and then I do this and then I do this. And the holistic process, my husband actually was meeting with a counselor and he just gave the best visual. He said it's circumferential. And so imagine it's a circle and you're in the center of the circle. And at some moments, you're gonna work on this piece of the circle. And at some moments, you're gonna work on this piece of the circle or this piece of the circle. So it's not like you do a step at a time. You're just kind of addressing it all in a um, at the same time, but not in a way that's overwhelming, right? Just in a way that we're aware. I wouldn't say that I necessarily grew up Viewing things in that way. I probably grew up with my family's intense, I'm intense, and we kind of like leaned into the intense. And so I probably grew up with kind of that zero to 100 mentality more so. And when I went through a crash and just felt miserable, I mean, I was getting sick constantly. My anxiety was spiked. And then there's also some depression in there. And I was having issues with blood. I mean, it was just, I was a mess and you know, it knocked me on my butt. And when you get knocked on your butt, you can either choose to stay on your butt or you can go, why am I on my butt? And what do I need to do to get up? And what will I do differently so that I don't get knocked on my butt again? That piece I did get from my family, Uh, just a really strong sense of grit. And some resilience. So, yeah, I wouldn't say that I grew up thinking in a holistic manner. That was a result of, you know, burning myself out and running myself into the ground and going, I don't ever want to do this again. So, what do I need (laughs) to do differently?
1: (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. You know, it's funny because we're recording this episode in basically December, beginning of December. Uh, It's November 30th today. So, around this time, we speak about habits right uh, new year's mm-hmm. resolutions, new you, new me. I'm curious as to the one habit because there are many habits, and I'm sure you you have a lot of them, but the one habit that you would attribute to your current success what is that
0: mm, The one habit that's hard when you're a person of habits, it's hard to narrow it down <laughs> to the one habit <laughs> when I was right
1: when I was thinking of that you know. Wow. Well, what what would I choose?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if this would be. I'm probably going to cheat the question a little bit, but I, you know, I mentioned my faith is really important, and so it it created for me and a combination between my faith and my crash. It created an awareness of needing to tend to my internal state, and so probably the one habit that I couldn't get rid of that I do think is, has helped me do well, would be just practicing some mindfulness and gratitude. Actually gratitude. I would say practicing gratitude. I think for me, if I'm practicing gratitude, I'll, I'll stay in a good place internally. And if I'm in a good place internally, the external will figure itself out.
1: I love it. And how do you sustain long-term discipline with habits? What do, you, do you have any tricks?
0: Yeah, you know, I heard this really great definition of discipline a while back, and it was choosing what you want the most over what you want right now. And so, a lot of times when I'm faced with a decision that requires some discipline, I will take a step back and I'll go, "Okay, what do I like? What do I want the most?" And then just making the choice to choose what I want the most. And there, and it, at, when you think of it that way, there's a lot of freedom in it, as opposed to being bound to these certain disciplines or rules or boundaries right it's my it's my choice actually to to free myself up to get what I want essentially and so if I want to be strong physically right and to have good health uh, I'm gonna choose to move my body and I'm gonna choose to, eat well. I'm not going to beat myself up over having, I love chocolate chip cookies. I'm going to have them, right? I'm not going to not have them. But I'm not going to have them multiple times a day every day. That's not going to help me reach what I want the most. If I want a marriage that is loving and kind and gracious, then I'm going to choose things that are going to help me to be loving and kind and gracious so that I am that way towards my husband. I'm gonna to choose to spend time with him over probably almost any other person first because I really want I want my kids to have a mom and dad who love each other and take care of each other. So yeah, choosing what I want the most over what I want
1: now. I love it. I'm I'm not gonna to touch too deeply into this because we can have another hour discussion on <laughs> nutrition. But you know, there's so many plans out there, I don't even want to call them diets, but different different plans everything from the extreme lion diet where you're eating just steak and water and salt and nothing else all the way down to the i guess the sad diet the american diet where you're eating nothing but mcdonald's and wendy's and and pizza right pizza hut what what have you learned over the years about being specific into a diet because it can get religious it's in some Mm -hmm. you know in some circles uh you don't want to get a vegan in a you know, in a, in a vegetarian together or a vegan line, yeah, yeah, forget <laughs> it. I mean, they, they'd kill each other. In your in your take, is there a specific plan that works better than others? Is it based on the individual? What, what's your take on nutrition?
0: Yeah. So nutrition. So that's which this is a could be a whole other conversation. Yes. But for most of my life, I I had what I would call a disordered relationship with food. So I viewed food essentially i restricted it because i wanted to look good it's an easy way of saying it and that's something that i've had to become aware of and heal through and identify what brought that about and and also recognize that to some degree i will always struggle with that so i'm very very aware of it so i'm very careful about how I help others with nutrition, and so generally, I focus more on, on the mindset around nutrition, so what's what's the what's the purpose of it right so we essentially we need it to fuel our body, we need it to give our body energy, and so if we look at it through that lens, it kind of helps us filter out, which is better fuel for our body than others, but then to also recognize that like we should have the freedom to have fun and yeah. Enjoy it. So, I'll talk about that mindset a lot. I talk a lot about 80 20, just 80% of the time, just eating generally well. You know, the nutrition guidelines as far as macronutrients, so the amount of fats that you should have, proteins, carbs, you know, carbohydrates, sugars, those are well studied and spot on. And there's a reason why your body needs them. And so, 80% 80% of the time hit those macronutrients that are suggested for your body. And then 20% of the time, have the pizza, you know, have have the foo-foo coffee. Like it's it's okay. Life is meant to be enjoyed. And I've had seasons where I was really restricting my food to only eat really clean and healthy. And I was not enjoying a lot of things because I was becoming obsessive with that. So yeah, I try to help people have a healthy relationship with nutrition and not use food as a way to punish themselves or as a way to seek out comfort either. It's, let's just objectify it for what it is. Food is fuel for our body.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny because, and I agree with you 100%, obviously perfection doesn't exist, but success happens with doing more of the right thing and less of the wrong thing. So, But it doesn't mean not doing the wrong thing. It just means you're doing less of the wrong thing than you are of the right thing. Mm-hmm. So in essence, I can go on a keto, very restrictive keto diet for three months, four months, lose a whole bunch of weight, feel great. And I'm a foodie. You're not gonna take bread away from me cause I'll just die right <laughs> now. I don't need to even, there's no point in not having a croissant or, or a bagel or a donut. But the reality is if you do it all the time, like it's just that scale what do you do more often if mm-hmm. you're eating sensibly whole food more often with less packages from the store so the outer aisles you're going to do better even if some of the times even once a week or twice a week you know you're you're cheating or you're you're eating things yeah. that just make you feel good right you know that this whole conversation there's a quote that that just keeps on popping up and that that quote is if you want to make God laugh tell him about your plans. And it just <laughs> it and it just comes up it's like the, every time you try to do something perfectly every time you try to achieve some success because you think you have to achieve it by a f- certain formula a plus b b plus c God's going to be laughing at you because mm-hmm. you ain't going to do it. It's not going to happen. Right? Yeah. There are very few people in the world that can be that disciplined. You know, like Goggins, for instance, I don't know if you know who he is, but this guy's just crazy. You know, he's just one out of a billion that yeah. can go and and just kill it every day. And I don't know if that's true. I don't know what he does in his personal life. I and mean, that's his persona. Right. That's his image. He right. could be, you know, in his bathroom, sucking his thumb every night, you know, crying. I don't know. I don't know what right. the deal is. But at least from the o- onset, it seems like that's the case. But I, I just love your day one mindset. I like what you... Mm-hmm have to offer. You're not this strict, all or nothing type of trainer, the type of coach. And, and yeah. I think the, the seven hatters are going to resonate with that. So, you know, I like to close out my interviews with the following question. Who did you have to stop being? And who did you need to become to manifest mm. your current success?
0: I had to stop being superwoman. And I had to become broken.
1: Wow. I love that.
0: Yeah. I yeah.
1: love that a lot. So. That that That's a tweetable moment, as Oprah would say. All right. <laughs> that's great. So, Chantel, tell the Seven Hatters how they can find you, how they can work out with you. You seem yeah. like a fun person to work out with. And I think I, so. And I'm sure <laughs> I've seen some videos. Check out Chantel's <laughs> videos. She's got a great social media. She does great content marketing and it's just fun. And she'll motivate you. It's, it's pretty motivational to, to, to watch you. her, you know, run up mountains. God knows it's like the, uh, <laughs> the sound of music, man. I don't know where you went to these <laughs> mountains, but they're beautiful. And, it's like an hour uh, from my
0: home. That's Montana for you. Uh, yeah.
1: Incredible. Never been to Montana. So I, it's one of my bucket list of places to go. I just got to go when it's not cold. So tell the Seven Hatters yeah. where they can find you and how they can find you.
0: Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, just at Chantelle Oakley is my handle. Um, my website is dot com. I'm launching a virtual fitness studio in January. And so The concept is, if you were to go to a gym that I owned, a boutique gym that I owned, what would it look like and what would it offer? And we've taken that concept and we've replicated it in a virtual setting. And so when you join my studio, you can have access to live workouts with me. This company that I'm partnering with has probably the Coolest, best live virtual class option I've ever seen. I've I've gotten to be a part of helping them build it and create it, so it's very cool. They're they're the brain they're the brains behind it. I just tell them like we should do this different or this different, but they're the brains behind it. So you can access live classes, you can access on demand classes, you can have a workout assigned to you. I know entrepreneurs we we like to free up our mental margin as much as possible. And so, one of the ways that I found is helpful to do that is uh, just let me assign you a workout, and then you adopt the just do something mentality. And you look at that workout and you go, well, I only have 10 minutes that I can do of it. And then you just do the 10 minutes. Or if you've got the whole 35 minutes, I keep them all at about 35 to 45 minutes, then great. Do the whole 35 minutes. But yeah, that will all launch middle of January. And so if people if that interest them, give me a follow on social media, because that's where I'll have a lot of information once that launches and to explain to you how to get connected with it. But I think it'll be pretty cool. I'm excited
1: for it. Chantel, what a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for gracing us on The Seven Hats. And I'm just hoping you're going to get a flood of, you know, young, mushy minds that need some help and, (laughs) and uh, and, and get you going. A pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. It was an absolute delight. I appreciate being a part of it.
1: Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chantel. Let's end today with the show segment that I refer to as What can we hang our hat on? And here is my takeaway. Today, I wanna reflect on the incredible strength and resilience of the human spirit. Throughout history, we have seen countless examples of individuals who have faced seemingly insurmountable challenges and emerged victorious, having overcome incredible odds to achieve their success. These individuals are a testament to the power of the human spirit and the incredible capacity that we all have to push ourselves beyond our limits. I've spoken to many driven and ambitious entrepreneurs over the years who poured all of their energy and resources into building their companies from the ground up. They work tirelessly day and night, pouring their hearts and souls into their work and pushing themselves harder and harder to achieve success. But despite all of their hard work, they face one setback after another. From black swan events to market crashes to internal company challenges, it seemed like something else would knock them back down every time they made progress. These stories are of entrepreneurs who worked themselves to the point of burnout, sacrificing their health and well-being for the sake of their business. But the truth is, neglecting our physical and mental health will only hold us back in the long run. And so as these entrepreneurs continue to push themselves day after day, week after week, even when it seemed like everything was stacked against them, They figured out what Chantel teaches us. And that is, entrepreneurs who prioritize their health and wellness, understanding that a strong mind, body, and soul are essential to achieving long term success as a holistic individual who recognizes that taking care of themselves is not a luxury, it's a necessity. Especially if they want to create a life that is rich and fulfilling in every way. And slowly but surely, the ones who crashed and hit rock bottom understood that when they prioritized their health and wellness, they became better equipped to handle the stress and uncertainty that come with running a business. To those who know my story, I was one of those entrepreneurs who hit rock bottom, only to realize that success is not based on accolades, financial rewards, and material achievements. Success is a lifelong journey of cultivating a mindset of discipline and determination to work on our seven hats, which will carry us through even the toughest of times. So let's strive to fill our cups so they overflow with love, passion, and joy, enabling us to make a lasting impression on those around us. I want to thank Chantel once again for joining me so that we can all benefit from her wisdom. And until next time, if you found this episode helpful, please hit that subscribe button and tell other entrepreneurs out there what value you receive from it so that we can all attract even more high-quality people into our 7 Hats community. So for now, I will bid you farewell and success on your journey. And until next time, my name is Yuval Selick, and I tip my hat to you.